What's going on, y'all? Welcome to a Wonder Lab sermon series. This week, we're talking about marked by meekness. What does Jesus mean when he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth? And what does meekness look like? We pray this message blesses you. And so I'm excited to continue with this. So we've been looking at the series and, and the, the really primarily the Beatitudes, like I said. And if, if you've been with us at any part, quickly you've come to realize that the teachings of Jesus stand in absolute stark contrast to the world. You know, Jesus was a disruptor to the people that were in Jerusalem. So that means to the Jewish people that were there, he was a disruptor to their faith and to their traditions. And he was also a disruptor to humanity as a whole. And we know that Jesus wasn't of this world. So that means that the kingdom that he's talking about, the kingdom that he's representing isn't of this world either. And so that would lead us or really, that would mean as followers of Jesus that we're to live counterculture to the ways of the world. And as we continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's really important that we understand that, the, that, we, that we need to put proper context to these Beatitudes. And what I mean by that is we have to view them as layering statements upon the next one. That, that you can't take them as individual statements. It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. We like to take one or two, maybe three of the fruits and be like, hey, look, I'm pretty good. I don't eat them all. I got half of them. You know what? We'll work on one of those at a different time. But the fruit of the Spirit is not just one or two or three. It's actually the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But the same with the Beatitudes. We can't take them as individual statements. They are a package deal. The one previous validates the one to come, and the one to come upholds the one that just was. So these are all statements that are taken together as one statement of faith of what it means to follow Jesus. Because the reality is, is Jesus is taking us on a spiritual journey of being his follower. Starting first with poor in spirit, understanding this, our desperation for him, which draws us into mourning and understanding that our sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And sin is a distance between, which then leads us to this idea where Jesus now starts to address, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so I'm going to pray. And then we're going to jump into this idea, but I'm really going to pray that the Holy Spirit illuminates something that on the surface seems simple, but in reality is so much deeper than I think that we often give it credit for. And it draws us to a place um, that we really need true revelation on the Beatitudes, on the Sermon on the Mount, but we need revelation as it relates to blessed are the meek. So Holy Spirit, let your word change us. Lord, from the inside out, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirit, open our soul to what you would have for us. Lord, encourage us as we are growing in obedience. Lord, this is not easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy, but it's what you have called us to. So we pray that you would just, uh, that you would take my words matched with your words and you would move in, on the hearts as you see fit. Lord, let us leave here different than the way that we walked in, knowing that your word is read, 
your spirit, your presence is here. And where your spirit and your presence is, there's freedom, there is joy, there is peace, there is hope. So, Lord, let that be our portion as we dive into your words and your teachings. So, Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as I was preparing for this idea of blessed are the meek, I was severely disappointed that I couldn't find any good stories about meekness or this idea of being meek. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, it's not that there aren't good stories about people being meek. I'm going to out myself here and say, I couldn't think of any good stories about me being meek. And that was kind of a bummer. Like I really racked my brain where I was like, you know what, I got to like, it's, it's good to kind of tell a story and just kind of bring some perspective to this. And I just kept going, Blaze, there had to be a moment where you were meek. Lord, show me a moment when I was meek that I could tell this. Nothing. I just could not come up with any story where I was like, ah, that was a great, that, Blaze, that was a really good moment where you were being a meek human being. It turns out meekness is not a trait or a quality that we often find in ourselves. But I did come across a story of, <laughs> of Mother Teresa. Sure enough, when, when you want to talk about meekness, like Mother Teresa is somebody that comes up. And I came across this story that blew me away. And uh, years back, she was living in Calcutta, India. And there was a famine going on at that time. And she had about, uh, I think, somewhere between seven or eight orphans that were living with her. And they were completely out of food. And so she went down into the streets and she went to a shopkeeper. And she walked up to the shopkeeper and held out her hands and said, Would you please give me food for my our orphans so they can eat? And unbeknownst to her that this shopkeeper absolutely despised Mother Teresa just despised everything about her cause, about her mission, about her faith. I mean, he just, he had it with her. And so he looks at Mother Teresa, looks at her hands, looks back at Mother Teresa, and then spits right in her hands. And she, she looks at her hands, she wipes them on her shirt, and she says, thank you for what you've given me. Now would you please feed my orphans? Absolutely floored by Mother Teresa's meekness, her gentleness, her humbleness. He could do nothing but bag up food and give it to Mother Teresa as she left. I read a story like that after having searched my own soul for a story on meekness, and I go, do I even know Jesus? Can I, am, am I even a Christian? Can I claim that I am a follower of Christ compared to the story about Mother Teresa in a moment where, let's face it, if any one of us would have been in that situation, any one of us, if we got, if this person would have like spit in our hand, you know what we would have done? We would have clenched our fist and punched them straight in the nose. Like in any given circumstance, I would be on, I would be a viral video on social media as it relates to me losing my mind on a shopkeeper. And you know what the worst part is all of us could say, uh, we'd probably do the same. We would be so justified. 
Like we would be justified. I would be in handcuffs screaming, I'm just trying to feed these kids. I'm just trying. He deserved every ounce of that. Every ounce of punishment that I gave him, I would have, I would have felt like that's something that I, he had coming. Nobody would be shocked. The truth is, is that if you think about this idea of meekness and you think about the story of Mother Teresa, it's more shocking to see somebody respond in meekness than it is actually to see someone losing it these days. We're kind of used to the people losing it all over the place. And, and, and as followers of Jesus, meekness is supposed to be uh, a Christ-like trademark of his followers. And we could go through stories of people in the Bible who were considered meek and with the, you know, with the greatest example, of course, being Jesus. You know, the son of God, the one who's as he's being beaten, as he's being persecuted, as he stays silent. And the whole authority of, of heaven resides in him and all of the power and he just stands there and he's quiet. Ultimate moment of but the reality is to be a follower of Jesus means we're, li- we're, we're to live lives marked by meekness. And here in Matthew 5, 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And for Jesus to say something like that is absolutely a shocking statement. The Jewish people were waiting for the return of their Messiah. This Messiah was going to be a conquering king. He was going to come in with ruling might and authority and power and overthrow the government that Rome had placed in Jerusalem. They were going to, you know, this conquering Messiah was going to reestablish the throne of David. He was going to bring prominence and, and, and uh, 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 glory back to the people. And yet Jesus is sitting here going, blessed are the meek. I mean, think about it. the Jews in Jerusalem, they're second class citizens in their own city. Rome has conquered them. Rome is ruling over them. And even Rome in their own right, they loved heroism. What else did they love? They loved might and the military and power because they were about to take over the world at that time. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the one thing that we have to understand is that Jesus at that time, as he's, pre- as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he's definitely addressing the spiritual state of the Jewish people of that time. And now he's addressing that state in us. So this isn't a one-time thing where we go, well, let's see how they handled it. Jesus, as we read the Sermon on the Mount, he's addressing our spiritual state. We don't get to be a third-party watcher on this. He's speaking directly to us in this moment. But not only is he addressing our spiritual state, he's also addressing our mental state and our thinking. He's addressing how we think about this life. And and by Jesus saying, blessed are the the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he's, he's doing something that's really important. He's taking our eyes off of temporal, earthly, riches and he's establishing us with an eternal with eternal kingdom mindset because let's face it our thoughts are terrible i mean how self-centered are our thoughts how like worldly can our thoughts be how often do we go i gotta go get mine i gotta get my revenge i gotta get what i deserve 
we often think about power. We often think about riches. We often think about glory. We often think about all of these things, and maybe none of them are necessarily that bad, but they become this kind of soup, if you will, of thoughts that continue to, to draw us deeper into them and draw us deeper away from what Jesus would have us thinking about. So this prize of inheriting the earth to come through meekness stood in stark contrast to everything about that world and guess what this world so what does meekness mean meekness simply means gentleness or gentle and humble and if it were that simple we could we could i could literally pray say let's pray for for humble and gentleness this week and let's go about our business but there's really more to it and so just the the, the definition is humble and gentle but i want to give you three thoughts really quickly in the time that we have Three thoughts as it relates to the idea of meekness. One is, how do we develop meekness? Two, what, what is a trait of somebody with meekness? And three, why meekness? And so this is, uh, this is the first thing. We need to understand that meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's that simple. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Meekness is not a trait that we're naturally born with. There are, no, there are not some people who have it and some people who don't. We all don't have meekness. I would say search your own heart and think about a story where you could show meekness and you'd be like straining a lot. But that's, this is not a personality characteristics. You're not going to find this in a Myers-Briggs test. You don't test high for meekness. You're not an INTJM. You know, you're, you're not any of you. Don't, it's like there's, there's no Enneagram. You can't be like a three and a, I don't know, a 12, you know, and like, ah, oh, great. I'm a 12. I'm an, you know, I'm, I'm a meekness guy. You know, it's not in there. Meekness is developed solely out of the Holy Spirit at work in us. What does Paul say are the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit at work in us? Galatians 5, and 23, he lays out what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness which is meekness. Some of your translations would say meekness. Some might say humble or gentle, but that's all in that same idea. So uh, patience, uh, kindness, uh, gentleness, and, and self-control. So those are the fruits of the Spirit. And now what Paul is, 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 lists is impossible. I mean, it's not possible for us to do any of those without the Spirit at work in us. And not one aspect of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount are we truly capable of doing without the help of the Holy Spirit working in us. And I'd say that that's one of the reasons why the Sermon on the Mount is often misunderstood. Because Jesus was taking an already impossible law and not lessening it, he was taking it to more of an extreme place and position. And the whole reason for that is so that he would take us to the end of ourselves faster. And in coming to the end of ourselves, we would understand how much we needed a Savior, how much we needed the Messiah, how much we needed to put our faith and trust in Him, and doing putting our faith and trust in Him, then He would fill us with the Holy Spirit, and that He'd help us live out the teachings of Jesus. You know, we can't white-knuckle meekness. It's not one of those things that you know, we often say, what is it? You know, the, the goal is not behavior modification, but soul transformation. Like, like we might be able to like white knuckle kindness for a while. We might be able to, we might be able to white knuckle like 
um, self-control for a little while and get away with it, a little bit of behavior modification. But meekness is one of those things. You can't white-knuckle meekness because everything inside of us wants to rebel against that. Everything. None of us wake up and go, I can't wait to see how humble I can be today. I can't wait to see how gentle I can be today. I can't wait for, for you know, lowliness to come out of me. No, we're all like, I can't wait to crush today. I can't wait to get what's, you know, like it's just our natural instinct. So what is it? A doggy dog world. You know, it's fend for yourself. You know, you got to go get what's yours. And Jesus saying, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom. And I think the goal of studying the teachings of Jesus is, is to get to the true soul transformation. And that soul transformation is the filling of the Holy Spirit that helps us, advocates for us, convicts, works with us like a physician to get the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control out of us. Because it's the only way. He is the only way that we're able to do this. And when we, it's, it's when we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out do we know how to live with Christ-like meekness? So we're going to adopt, if we're going to live out, if we're going to say, okay, Jesus, you're calling me to meekness, then we have to know that it's only through the help of the Holy Spirit where we submit our lives to Christ, through that be filled by the Spirit, and then submit our lives daily, like daily. Uh, you know, somebody was, well, it's like, what, you know, what's the life of a Christian? Dying daily, carrying your cross daily, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead through the whole thing. So we're going to live out meekness, fruit of the Spirit, meaning we need the Spirit at work in us. Um, so what does meekness look like in a person? In Psalm 37, David uh, lays out really six, I guess, qualities, if you will, of being a person who's meek in the way that Christ was talking about. And I'm not going to talk about all six. We don't have enough time. I'd highly recommend Psalm 37. Go through it. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that Jesus, as he's saying, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. He's referencing David in Psalm 37. Uh, but David's, David gives us six qualities. And there's one that kind of takes a few of them. So we're going to go with this one. But a meek person has committed their ways to the Lord. Psalm 37, 5, uh, David says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Uh, one of my guilty pleasures is, was, I don't, I don't see it as much anymore, but it, it does pop up on my TikTok feed. That, that was a grown man at 44 years old saying TikTok feed. It's embarrassing. But um, I love, I love poker. I love watching professionals play poker. I think it is such a fascinating game at that level. You know, so much of poker is less about what card you're actually holding and a lot about the position that you're in on the table, a lot about the percentages, a lot about the, the betting and, and strategy related to it. There are some guys that won't even look at their cards because they know the position they are based upon the poker chips that they have against the other people that they look at and go, this is an odds game, it's not a cards game. And I love this concept because they're thinking like at, at a different level, at that level of professional poker playing. And, but they have this term called pot committed. 
And the idea is, is that there comes a point in time where you have the majority of your chips in a hand or playing against somebody that you can't lay that hand down anymore because the odds are either in your favor that you're going to win and most likely they are in your favor and so you're going to commit and so a lot of times at that point if you're committed they're going to push all in and that's where they take any remaining chips and they're going to push all in and go win or lose because if i lose this hand and i don't push all in i'm not going to have enough to keep playing so i might as well push all in and see if i can get this win a lot of times they do, they know the odds, but it's a fascinating thing being pot committed. And when David says, commit your ways to the Lord, the actual translation of what the visual of, is of that is to roll in. David is literally saying, commit your ways, roll all of your ways into the Lord. Like literally push all in, everything that you have, push all in to the Lord. And, and I know it's easy to think, well, I've given my life to the Lord. Is that isn't that enough? And it's like, no, not in the context in which David is talking about. He's literally saying, give everything to the Lord. Your life, yes. Your business, yes. Your thoughts, yeah. Your marriage, your health, your causes, your personal agendas, your kids, your dreams, your goals, push all in on the Lord. And the reality is, is that if we don't push all in on the Lord, you know what we're doing? We're actually holding back saying, Lord, I know better than you. I, I don't think you can be trusted with this aspect of my life. I can give you some of the other stuff, which, let's face it, we don't give him the large stuff. If we're going to hold anything back, it's the things that are dearest to us, and we'll give him the small stuff. It's kind of like, a, have this, Lord. I don't really care all that much about it. Do what you want with it. But the reality is, is if we're holding back and we're not pushing all in, then we're actually not living with the spirit of meekness. We're actually living with a spirit of pride and arrogance. Because what we're saying is, Lord, you can't be trusted. Yes, you created the universe. Yes, you created me. Yes, you sent your son to die for me. But I don't think I can trust you with my marriage. I don't think I can trust you with my dreams, Lord. And that is the opposite spirit of meekness. And it's often... We often think about meekness in the world kind of context, like meekness between relationships and business, or meekness between how we view and relate to each other. But first and foremost, like all of the Sermon on the Mount, so, or so much of this idea of meekness is that it has to deal with our relationship to God. If at any point we think we're superior, there's no meekness. If there's any point where we don't, we don't think he can handle our issues or handle our family or handle our dreams or doesn't have a plan or doesn't have a purpose, it's the moment we start pulling things back and we, we put on a crown instead of throwing the crown at his feet. And that's the thing about meekness. Meekness keeps the crown off our heads. And it continually lays that at the feet of Jesus. That scene that John sees in, in Revelation where the elders continually are casting their crowns. I mean, in the presence of the Lord, we will not ever, nor would we ever think that we're superior in any way. But oftentimes we walk through this life going, ah, you know, I'm going I'm to take this one, Lord. And David is saying, commit your ways. And I love that he says, and trust, which is so backwards in our minds because we're going to be like this. Lord, I'll, I'll commit my ways when I can trust you. But the only way that we're going to trust him is if we commit our ways up front. 
when we commit our ways to the Lord, we don't fear outcomes. We trust in the Lord in all circumstances. Win or lose in this life. You know, the reality, you know, you're not going to hear this a lot on a Sunday. The reality is, is this world, this life is not the one that we're living for. This is not the, we're not living for this world. We're not living for this life. We're actually, uh, as followers of Jesus, living lives of meekness. We don't sacrifice the eternal kingdom for a temporal world. And Jesus understood that fight, that tension that often resides in us where we want, to, we want the eternal, but we want the temporal too. And he's saying, nah, lay it all down. Go all in on me. So my question is, are you all in on the Lord? Can he trust you to give him everything? Because when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So why? As we wrap this up, why? Why do we do this? Why should we accept Jesus' premise of meekness? Well, it's because Jesus promises the inheritance of everything to those who are meek. What an incredible promise. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom. The promise of, of a life lived in meekness is the inheritance. In many translations, it says earth. Um, if you read different studies, it's really representing the land. And the land is also his presence, where he resides. And so it's this both and at the same time. And, and the kingdom to come, we will inherit the earth. And in this life, we inherit his presence when we choose to live meekly. And we'll get to this in a second, because there's so many great scriptures that actually highlight this idea of humbleness and meekness and gentleness. But, I, you know, in Matthew 5, 12, as he wraps up the, the Beatitudes, he says something. He says, rejoice, be glad. For your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. I love that he's continually reminding us, hey, take your eyes off the temporal. Look to the eternal. The eternal is where your reward is. And I think that he says this. The Lord promises us a great reward in heaven because he knows what following him on earth may cost us. It might cost us. I thank the Lord every day that I am born in the United States of America. I am so grateful for the freedoms that we have. I am so blessed. I could say, I bet we are all here could say that we are so blessed by the religious freedoms that we have. But there are people right now around the world that following Jesus is going to cost them their life. And Jesus is continuing to say, don't worry about what it'll cost you here because it costs you everything and you get nothing. I have the riches and rewards of an inheritance for a king waiting for you. It's all yours. If you will understand this idea of meekness, his promise of a great reward is to strengthen us. It's to encourage us. It's to keep us going in obedience. It's, it's, to keep, uh, it's to keep following him when we're on mountaintops. 
It's to keep following him when we're stuck in the valley. It's to stand firm. It's to encourage us to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy and to run this race finishing well. That's the point of this idea that the inheritance is to come. But I love that it's not just to come. There's an inheritance of his presence now. There's an inheritance of his favor now. There's an inheritance of his blessing now. I mean, listen to what um, Psalm 138.6. For the Lord, uh, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. I love that. He dwells in the, he will not dwell in the presence of the prideful. The Lord does not dwell in the presence of the prideful. He distanced himself. So when we choose meekness, when we choose humbleness, when we choose to live this gentle, it actually draws the heart of the Father to us. Proverbs 3.34, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. So his favor is with us in meekness. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So we know we get his presence. We get favor on our life. We obtain honor. I don't know about you, but those are all, those are three amazing things that we get here now by choosing to live in meekness. Matthew 23, 12 uh, Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So we've got favor, blessing. He exalts us, and he draws near to us. That's why Jesus says, blessed are you and your meek. Yes, he was talking about the earth land to come but in this as we continue to see and to read the teachings of Jesus as we go into the Old Testament we look into the New Testament we see this thread that meekness is like a beacon for for the Holy Spirit meekness is a beacon for God from Moses to David these people weren't perfect by no means does meekness mean perfection the only one who was meek and perfect was Jesus. But meekness is a quality in which God is drawn to because he can use anybody who's willing to say, Lord, it's you, not me. Lord, I'll turn the other cheek if needed. I'll do whatever. I, I'm nothing compared to you. It's by your glory I even exist. It's by your very breath that I breathe. You can take it from me now, and you can have it. But at any point, if I rise up to think I can do this better, I'm of no use. Meekness. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. We have to remember that a life lived for Christ may not produce the temporary earthly riches and fame that sometimes we so often want, but it will without fail produce eternal riches and glory when we as co-heirs of Christ inherit the earth and kingdom to come. Holy Spirit, we cannot live in meekness without you. It's impossible. But through you, all things are possible. 
We continue to marvel at your teachings, Jesus. As it elevates and lifts our thinking, as it draws us closer to you, Lord, obedience in this is not just, it's not like, oh, yeah, easy. We could do this. It takes everything in us, but it's your grace in our life that draws us and pulls us and uplifts us. And it's your mercy that when we fall short, covers us and forgives us. So we thank you for your grace that literally is pulling us towards you, pulling us into following the teachings of your son. And it's your mercy that continually washes over us as we fall short often. Lord, we thank you. Lord, in these few minutes that we have, Lord, as we turn now individually to you, Lord, I pray that you would search our hearts, that we would invite you into that heart-searching process, that we would allow you, Holy Spirit, to show us where and how we can improve and grow in this idea, this such a powerful concept of meekness.